she said on well i like to say uh welcome london town and wakey wakey rise and shine it's all about the big fm frequency moderation the hottest day in london recorded for a while so make sure you keep it here coming up later on it's the dance hall dilemmas with dr rankin pegasus answering all your raga related qualms and queries don't forget also in the program we have the grime hour with mc rival the bubbling sound so make sure you keep it right here it's all about 103 point skins keep it locked It is Thursday, May 17th, 2018, and you are tuned into Season 2, Episode 20 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com and presented by Hameen Media. On this week's show, Rick and I are talking all in, as well as everything from the red and blue brands this week, but before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks, shoot us an email at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo, I'll be your host for the day, I'm Joined as always alongside the OG of the Huckleberry Club, Huckleberry number one, RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me. It's that R to the B to the V. Rick Vickery back again here in the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Jargo, man, I don't even want to say it was a, a surreal week, but things got, I want to say they actually got very real. Uh, very cool to see, you know, the promotion from Starcade or Starcast. There, I'm thinking of. I'm going back. I was just on a network checking some stuff out uh, for Starcast. That the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast is all in, man. We're getting a promotion now. Man, it, it, it felt really real once we saw Starcast tweet out that logo last night. It was just like, oh man, this is really freaking happening. This is going to be fantastic, fantastic. Uh, one thing I wanted to comment on uh, real quick before I uh, uh, just absolutely shatter all of Rick's hopes and dreams here for his. Uh, Beloved Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, this is a shout out to Huckleberry number three, Billy Ray Valentine. Billy Ray Valentine, you were asking why you got demoted from Huckleberry two to Huckleberry three. Hearing you put over Hulk Hogan this morning, you should be surprised if I don't demote you to Huckleberry number four and promote Big Ray over you. That made me nauseous this morning. Hulk Hogan coming back. Billy Ray Valentine's a Hulk Hogan mark. I couldn't believe that. I thought this guy had taste. Speaking of, of guys with no taste, Rick, Rick, how is the feeling in the land? You're down 0-2. Carly's, Carly's Celtics have uh, uh, done a number on your Cavaliers. I can see you rubbing your forehead. You're sweating a little bit here. Is, is this just the Celtics holding home court? Or, or, or is the paranoia level starting to rise after talking so much shit after annihilating the baby dinosaurs? Uh, no, that that's not wiping any sweat away from my brow. You know that that's it was a scratch because you know what we are itching. We are itching for this team to show their true colors to have that breakout performance. Granted, two poor outings on the road. The Celtics are uh, very useful. They were exposing the age and and lack of depth 
in the Cav- on the Cavaliers roster. Uh, but we are still talking about one of the greatest of all time in LeBron. He's going to have a couple days here to get the team straight, get it figured out. This thing is far from over. The Cavs are going to make a great run. We're still coming back and winning this thing. I was thinking, you know, uh, 4-2, this thing might go 7. But the Cavs will still go marching on to the finals. The vibe here in the land, people are still high. We're still hopeful. We're still hanging in there. I, I originally picked the Cavs in six to win this series. Uh, down 0-2. If you're going to win this thing, it's going seven, man. Um, I, I, that's, I, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's gonna, we think it's going to be pushed. Uh, we're coming back to Cleveland here in the next go-around. They're going to turn some things around. You're going to see a different Cavs. You're going to see a swing here uh, in a vibe for both of these teams. They're going to shake it up. This is going to be an interesting series. But, hey, but you know what? Hat tip to the Celtics. Uh, so young, so good, so talented. Uh, how they put this together. And really, out, you know, they've kind of broken – you know, kind of the mindset of to be successful in the NBA, you need to put together these superstar teams. They just went and got some great young talent that that's gelled well together. You know, and probably the biggest pickup, they don't even need him on the floor, though, is picking up Kyrie just to make sure he wasn't available as opposition. Uh, if the Celtics do go over here, that's going to be the biggest game changer. I, I, I feel like the biggest game changer in this entire series is Brad Stevens. Of course, those of us in uh, the eastern Iowa area, very, very familiar with one Mr. Brad Stevens. That guy is a fantastic coach. And, and I, I feel like that is really the big thing right now. The Celtics game plan is just outsmarting the Cavs. I mean, for God's sake, they let LeBron go off for 42 points the other night and still won by 15. It's ridiculous. Brad Stevens is just masterful. He is hands down coach of the year, most valuable player, whatever other accolades you want to throw at Brad Stevens. He has earned all of them this year. Well, you know, right now for the Cavs, you're right. It's a great game plan of, you know what? LeBron is going to get his. They have accepted that. Now what the, you know, their game plan is to say, you know what? He's going to get his. We're going to shut down everyone else. So now it kind of really goes on to, uh, Tristan and Love, they're going to have to start producing as they did in that series against the Raptors. And, you know, here I I did mention, you know, if we had Kyrie, maybe uh, it would be a different story. Not even Kyrie. If we still had Wade, you know, Dwayne Wade just before, if we just had a true point or a two right now, it would be a game changer. Where where are you at with uh, this Cavs roster? Is this thing getting blown up at the end of the year, especially if they don't go over here? Yeah, I, I'm, I most certainly think so. I guess the big question is, can you keep LeBron here? If you do, you're once again going to let him rebuild this thing. As, as we seen there at the trade deadline, they stripped it down. I guess it's still from Seth Rollins, burn it down. Yeah, they uh, really rebuild did. It. You're going to get, you know, bring Seth Rollins back in. We're going to need another architect type uh, setup. They're going to reset this thing. And that's the big question. Even if you have LeBron, uh, either case stays or goes, I think next year you're looking at a completely different franchise. Are you a Kevin Love guy? Uh, I'm okay with Love. I just don't know you know, what the shelf life is, how much value he still has here, uh, or you know, what's available out there you know, to replace you at this point. It's just something that you know, they really have to weigh their options. You know, when, when he was playing in Minnesota, I really wanted Kevin Love to go to the Lakers. Of course, he, he went to UCLA. He, he's from that area. Really wanted Kevin Love. God, I'm so happy that didn't happen. 
Kevin Love, he just once he left Minnesota, that dude's just had nothing for me. Absolutely nothing. Well, you know, a lot of that is it's it's very easy to be that big fish in a small pond. Yep. Yep. Uh, when you when you try to take it up to another level and you're surrounded by some other superstars, where that really looking to, and the expectations weren't all that high. You know, if Love could have got if he got the Timberwolves into the playoffs, that's great. You're doing awesome. Uh, now it's not. You just you're expected to get there. You're expected to be a number one or two seed. You're expected to go to the conference finals and the championship all the time. Uh, that's a serious difference in your level of play or your stars in the league. After uh, game one in the West, I'm going with Golden State over Strong. I think Golden State might actually sweep Houston. Golden State just looks like a, a, a team on a completely different level. I thought Houston was going to put up a fight. I don't think they're even going to put up a fight. I think that thing's over in five. I, I won't argue with you there. I, I'm rooting for the Warriors. To me, the Rockets are the Roman Reigns of the NBA. No matter what they, no matter what they do, I am going to boo them. I, I just can't. I just can't get. I can't get on with them. To me, especially Harden, he is everything is, that is wrong with the league today. See, for me, that person is Russell Westbrook. I cannot stand Russell Westbrook. He is the Roman Reigns of the NBA to me. Everybody tells me how freaking good Russell Westbrook is. I don't see it. I see a freaking ball hog. Well, I guess your difference is your difference is Westbrook never makes a main event. Yeah, there is that. There is that. Good guy. You give him Paul George and Carmelo Anthony, and there's a one-game improvement from last year. Come on, man. Give up the rock. Give up the rock. I guess uh, we, we, we should probably talk a little bit of pro wrestling on this show since it is a pro wrestling podcast. Thank you all for indulging us in our NBA nerdum there for a second. Uh, Rick, I guess let's start with the biggest story of the week. And I, I WWE just this week does not matter. I, they, they were two shows. They existed. Neither one was necessarily that great. Nothing big coming out of either show. The big story this week, all in, sells out. 29 minutes and 36 seconds. When you saw that time, when Cody Rhodes tweeted that out, 29 minutes, 36 seconds, what were your initial thoughts? You know, this was groundbreaking. What what a major accomplishment you know, for those who are involved there, for everyone at, at All In, all those that are involved with StarCast, all the, you know, the fans and their support, those that are building this thing. This is some groundbreaking material. It could be a serious game changer in the world of professional wrestling. I know you and I, we were actually recording uh, the locker room for the Hameen Media Group when all this kind of started unfolding and we were trying to keep up as we were recording all this. We really didn't get to, to share our, our, our true thoughts and really dive into this thing on Monday. Uh, so this is our time here. Uh, how big do you see this thing, Jargo? Well, I mean... I, initially when it sold out, my fear was ticket brokers bought all the tickets. That was my initial fear that these things were going to be littered all over StubHub and crap like that to where everything was going to be third market because the tickets were so reasonably priced. And I think that was everybody's initial fear. Well, you know what? You go to StubHub right now, there are 147 tickets available. That's it. The ticket brokers didn't buy these tickets. Fans bought these tickets. This show is going to be epic. I mean, if there is such a thing as a professional wrestling revolution in 2018, the Hall and Nash moment of a generation that changes everything, 
I think we experienced that on Sunday. Well, that's what I was going to say. You know, this just speaks volumes of how hungry the wrestling community is. The fans are for something different. That, you know, maybe not just different from sports entertainment, but just so different from what we're getting from the WWE, uh, which is so hammered down our throats that this is the way it should be. Uh, you know, if you don't like it, go somewhere. This is what they say. If you don't like it, go somewhere else. Well, guess what? They went somewhere else in droves. And as you said, you know, there isn't that second market. The people made the investment. They want to be there themselves. They realize this is something special. They want to be a part of it. And as you said, this could be one of those revolutionary moments. I mean, that magic is in the air right now. I've seen some people kind of dismiss, like, this isn't that big of a deal. This is the this is a one-time thing. They couldn't they couldn't continually do this. Man, that is over, that's over missing the point here. This is about creating a foundation, uh, a one-time coming together. They, they have plenty of other one-offs all over. You know, how many WrestleCons do we have or uh, big promotions that get together for these events? They're not doing this. We just seen something with like new, with New Japan. They're having trouble selling forty five hundred tickets in a ten thousand seat arena, and those have been on sale for weeks and months, and they're not moving the numbers. I mean, this happened with within an, under a half hour. Well, I mean, I know originally when they announced this show, it, gosh, how long ago was that? Now, two months ago, three months ago, and our initial response was, "Is it?" too far out are are you advertising this thing too far out are you going to lose fire is this thing going to lose steam in the build-up to it that has not been the case whatsoever I, the the second cody and the bucks announced this thing this show became fuck the wwe that's the statement that is being made here we're tired of your pg bullshit we're tired of your corporate bullshit we just want our pro wrestling back. That was really the statement that was made here. We don't need the WWE for this anymore. Well, I don't even think it was so much that we're, we're tired of necessarily like your PG. Because, you know, you can look at being elite. There's nothing really risque on there. They don't really, there's nothing really over the top. It's good entertaining a good entertaining product. I think it's more so we're tired of you just dumbing down professional wrestling. It's going to lowest common denominator booking. You're just going, you're going the simplest, easiest route. You're not giving us anything that's complex or layered or even fun. Really? You're, you're taking everything out of what many of us grew up loving in professional wrestling and you've stripped it down to its bare minimum to your cookie cutter product. So you can just roll it out there to push your side agendas. That's what people are just completely tired of right now. Yep. People are just sick of the corporate agenda. And I mean, you see it, you see the backlash at places like Starbucks. You see it at places like Walmart. You see it in car businesses. You see it in media companies. I mean, good God, look at the smear campaign against Sinclair Broadcasting going on right now. People don't like the big guy anymore. Because it's so corporate, because everything has to be so PG. We can't, we can't even risk offending anybody right now. Like you said, yes, being the elite, there's nothing on there that is in any way, shape, or form risque. But do you think that they're going to let Adam Page murder Joey Ryan on WWE TV, regardless of how comical it is? 
Well, I was going to say, but it was done in such a manner that you know not to take it serious. You know, it's not like a, a gore fest or anything like that. You have three, you have three beautiful girls that, that love professional wrestling. You let them watch being nearly your cup. It's nothing over the top for them. And, and you know, as a parent there, if there is something you're a good enough parent that you can explain it in a context where they'll understand it, that, you know, we do get invested here. We do love this, but this is entertainment kids. Well, and even guys like SoCal uncensored, when they make appearances on being the elite, those guys are pretty unfiltered and they swear up a storm. And you know what? They're the bad guys. Don't be like them. They're the bad guys. And see, that's that's something that gets lost in WWE. They're, they try to blur those lines because they're so afraid to define, you know, who you should be against or who you should support or what is right and wrong in life. Uh, they're they're afraid to bring in like real issues of the day that that could relate to uh, the kids' audience. You know, you got girls that are in their, in their teens. They go through things every day that when we were coming up in wrestling, there was relatable stories. That we they, we could live through the wrestlers there. It was an outlet for us. Everything is so cookie cutter today. That they just think that hey, we're going to go out here and do a bunch of flips and yeah, just like the athletics of this. They don't give us any character. There's no superstars. There's no storyline. People are tired of this. And we want wrestling to be fun again. We want to have fun again. We want to cheer the good guys and we want to boo the bad guys. But in order to do that, you have to give us good guys and you have to give us bad guys. And that's something that has just been completely lost inside of a WWE context, which is so weird because when you watch NXT, they get it. One of the best storylines in the world right now is Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa. Do you honestly think that that storyline could play out on WWE TV on mainstream television? Yes, absolutely. Will Vince McMahon do it? Hell no. Well, that's what I think, you know, it, even with NXT, as big as it's become, I mean, it is still a small fish compared to the, the grand scheme of things there within the WWE universe or their spectrum. So I think it flies under the radar. You know, a lot of people in corporate that are supposed to be watching that or even Vince himself, they're really unaware. He probably gets uh, some updates and catches some flashes here and there. Maybe he does a little binge watching before a takeover himself. He's probably not really in touch with everything going on there so they can get away with some of that stuff. And it might not even be that, you know, someone like Vince doesn't want to go back to those things. I mean, this guy has been doing it for so long. And you hear so many of the people that are that have worked with him, that are the insiders that have been there, that, you know, they just put over the genius and the drive. He probably wants to do this, but he himself is handcuffed just by today's corporate society. And I think there's a couple of other interesting aspects to look at when we when we talk about this all in show. One of them is the current WWE superstars guys that are in a position like Cody Rhodes was in. There is now a legit alternative. You can leave the WWE and go follow this path and you can find exactly what it is you're looking for. Oh yeah. And you have way more creative control. You have complete control over your schedule. You don't have to work 255 days a year. You don't have to be in Sheboygan, Wisconsin on a Wednesday night at seven o'clock so that you can go out and have a six minute house show match. You can be home with your families. This opens up an entire world of possibilities for talents like, I don't know, somebody like maybe Daniel Bryan, whose contract is up in September. What does this do to Daniel Bryan's bargaining power? 
How much is how much more is Daniel Bryan worth to the WWE today than he was on Saturday? Let me let me really ask you, you know, Jarga. I think that yeah, this this shows a, a a true little glimpse of light into that world that there is that possibility. But don't they need so much more? Doesn't there really need? I mean, for a Daniel Bryan, yes, he can go out there and do that. But if we're talking someone, you know, on on a mid card level. That, you know, where Cody was sitting when he was in WWE, I think you would agree that he is skyrocketed himself from where he was, was positioned leaving WWE. You don't see the likes of a Wade Barrett or a Jack Swagger in that same position right now. So for those people, there probably would still be some concern. And, and you're thinking, you know what? This is good money here in the WWE. I'm safe if I just play ball. I, I can just keep rolling here. And even if you're WWE, you know that too. Those guys in that position. Um, more than not, they are better off with you. Now, Cody is, is the exception to that rule. And there are people like Daniel that are top of the card who are the most popular in the world. No matter where he goes, it's going to work. But for everyone to kind of start taking that serious, that they can leave and go be successful. Don't you need a, a more of a steady and sound alternative out there on the marketplace? I mean, this, this, I mean, this is great. It's monumental, but it is one event. What do you need somebody out there doing it on the regular? I think there's there's one huge aspect here that is completely lost inside of this conversation. A lot of the WWE mid-card talent is happy being WWE mid-card talent. Cody Rhodes was not. Cody left and Cody has worked his ass off to get where he is right now. If you do not have that level of dedication that Cody Rhodes has to this craft, you're not going to make it. You're not going to get to the level that Cody Rhodes is. I feel like when we talk about WWE talent that would actually fit into this plausibility, I'm, I'm talking Daniel Bryan. I'm talking guys like Sami Zayn. I'm talking guys like Finn Balor, guys who have that independent wrestling background that worked their asses off to get to the WWE only to be booked in these mid-card roles and not be satisfied with the creative, the schedule, the money's just not worth it. For a, I, I, a perfect example would be Kevin Owens. Now we know Kevin Owens has signed a new five-year deal, so this is a completely hypothetical situation. This is not happening. Kevin Owens will never wrestle anywhere other than a WWE ring ever again. But Kevin Owens also has two kids at home. Being able to dictate his schedule and not necessarily, I mean, somebody like Brian, somebody like CM Punk could come back for this and work three days a year and make 250 grand and be able to dictate the creative and the schedule. That's very appealing. But if you're not willing to put in the work like those guys have, you're not going to get there. I, Drew McIntyre is another prime example. Left the company, worked his ass off, and now you can see it paying back in dividends. Well, yeah, you're talking, and I do agree with you. you know, so let me say, like, so let's say if there was like a group of these guys that really went out there and they went more the route of like a pro wrestling gorilla where maybe they don't look for weekly or even monthly shows like this where they're kind of 
telling their stories through social media, through things like being the elite, through Ring of Honor, through New Japan. But then they get together like four times a year for these big shows like this. And maybe they get somebody with some serious backing like a, a, a Cuban. Or maybe like a, a Billy Corgan who owns the NWA. Oh, there we go, brother. I, I, that is a great, great observation. Great point out there. You know, maybe this is something where, where Corgan could... If Cody could Rhodes... Could becomes, readjust, you know, his game plan. If Cody Rhodes becomes the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion and you bring a Daniel Bryan into the NWA to challenge Cody Rhodes for that championship, you could sell 20,000 tickets in a half hour. And, and, what, and then what you do there is you build through your grassroots like the NWA was set up to do. You know, you have these other matches or you have encounters, not matches between the two, but you have... You build this storyline at a House of Hardcore or a Smash Wrestling or uh, on Ring of Honor television, and then you have these huge payoffs. All of them. The, the only way that you are going to get a legit competition against the WWE is all of these companies working together. The territory system, everybody working together. And Cody Rhodes is the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. Maybe he shows up at House of Hardcore. Maybe he shows up at Smash. Maybe he shows up at AAW. Well, you're you're already seeing this working agreement between so many of these promotions. Absolutely. Uh, and, and Impact's right in there as well. They yep. know they need to be a part of this thing. Yeah. I'm surprised not, uh, that, well, I guess Tessa Blanchard has been announced. I guess I can consider her an Impact talent now. Uh, Pentagon has been announced. I can consider him an Impact talent now. Uh, Ray Phoenix, assuming he can actually get into the country, I guess I can consider him an impact wrestling talent now, but these guys were not impact wrestling talents when they were announced for the show. So, I mean, impact is absolutely on the right path here, but you know, I, I could not help, but think you suppose Dixie Carter cried herself to sleep on Sunday night. Like where in the fuck did I go wrong? Yeah, I mean, she, well, I think she, you know, she's still got a little stock in there, you know, so she's hoping that somehow this blows up and she can cash in on that. But, you know, think about all the, come on, I'll give her a little credit, all the hard work she she did put into the thing. It might not have went the right direction. She might not have been the right person for the job, but she did care about it. She did pour her heart and soul into, into the company, uh, but it just went belly up under her watch. And now you've got some people in there that they're giving the reins to that know what the hell they're doing. They're letting them do a little bit and it's definitely moving in the right direction. What does this do for ring of honor, new Japan pro wrestling? I mean, you, you know, somewhere they have to be sitting in an office somewhere going, what are they doing differently than what we're doing with our product to have this much interest to sell out a show this fast like if I'm New Japan and I see this, I am immediately pulling back on my United States expansion. Or, or do you look at it as a positive? I mean, you you take the positives from this thing. You're asking, what are they doing wrong? Well, maybe it's because, like you were saying, though, they are they have corporate structure. They are an established. They are established promotions. There is for this this. First, all in, there is that novelty act. This is grassroots. This is really, we're calling on you, uh, the smarks, the, the true diehard professional wrestling fans to rally up under us here without really knowing about a long-term commitment. You know, this is that one shot we've got to, to really kind of throw that haymaker. 
you know, it, it could go a different direction if they had if they had announced that there's going to be a, a four shows or a tour here. But this is swinging for the fence. And you've got New Japan involved in this thing. You've got Ring of Honor heavily involved in this thing. If I'm them, I'm not so much worried. I'm in there saying, okay, this is great. Let's piggyback this thing. All in has started the the started to snowball down the hill. Let's add more to it. Let's get to get on board with this thing and put it as a benefit for us. Uh, the other company that I was curious to your thoughts on is AAA. Of course, uh, AAA owned by uh, Dorian down there in Mexico. There has been some talk of AAA looking at expanding into the United States market. After the way All In has performed, do you really think that there is a market outside of what Lucha Underground already has become in the United States for a full-on Lucha Libre size promotion like this? If I'm Impact or if I'm AAA and I'm thinking about buying Impact and I'm seeing this going on and the amount of talent that's working on this show and with the contracts that Impact has put out now that you own your own intellectual property, you can take it wherever you want and do whatever you want with it. If I'm AAA, I think I pull back a little bit here too. Uh, in the case of AAA, I, I would tend to agree with you. Usually in business, I, I tell, especially with bar owners, they get really competitive with one another. But I always try to explain to them, you know, there's enough drinks to go around for everybody. If you get people out and about, they don't want to just sit. They, they like to, to, to pub crawl. They don't want to be in the same place. They want different environments. And a lot of times when you're doing it, you're going around, you're talking to the same people. You're just in a different establishment. In this case, that is a little tricky. You are you do really have to worry about oversaturating the market, especially with the way that AAA is known to do business, because they 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 cause quite a stir, uh, trademarking names and trying to you know prohibit talents from and going and making money off of uh, gimmicks that they've got over in their company. Probably more so, they're probably more harsh on this than the WWE. Would you say it's it's like the exact opposite of Impact Wrestling. Whereas Impact Wrestling has said, you know, you own your name, you own all the intellectual property, you come up with it, it's yours. AAA is the exact opposite. As soon as you walk in the door, as soon as you walk in the door, you, we own your soul and we will for the rest of your professional wrestling days. I think you know, you're right, though. They should pull back with the movement we are seeing here in, North, in the North America scene and and into Europe where we're sharing so much talent well, everywhere. Cause we got Japan in this too. They are, they're all in together. That's a 180 from how they do business in AAA. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just stick with Lucha underground. And if you're looking at investing money into an American property, just reinvest in Lucha underground. No Jargo. Let me ask you if, if you're another Mexican promotion trying to really make that jump there to really, you know, sets yourself apart from what AAA has down there. You probably want to get in on this thing because you've got a global exchange of talent where they got the different gimmicks going. Everyone's kind of working together. We're seeing storylines overlap. Uh, that would be a great opportunity for someone. It absolutely is. The, the, the problem is the link between American pro wrestling and Mexican Lucha Libre is Conan. And wherever Conan goes, 
that's where the Mexican talent is going to follow. And Conan is back in bed with Dorian. So it's, it's all triple a at this point, uh, as much as I enjoy watching CMLL because of the new Japan partnership. And I, I, I love me some Kawato. He's my favorite young lion. Um, CMLL could not compete with AAA at this point. It's almost like an impact WWE relationship as much as I enjoy watching CMLL. Well, it, maybe you're not competing, you know, right there in Mexico, but if you've got a great stream of revenue and your stars are getting over elsewhere and you've got other people coming in and you've got exposure where people are interested in your product here in America or in Canada or in the UK, I think that that's a win situation for you. Well, and that was the crash. I mean, the crash came up like a, a wildfire out of nowhere, stealing all this talent away from AAA, and they were running Tijuana. They were ready to jump over the border and start doing shows in San Diego. And then Conan left the company and went back to AAA. And then Pentagon left and Phoenix left, and it's just like a firestorm at the crash. Well, it's kind of funny. You were talking about it is, is Dixie having a meltdown. Think about poor Jeff Jarrett. This is what he envisioned. Yeah, it really is. This it this really is the what was it? GWF, Global Wrestling Federation or GFW? Uh, Global Force. Global, Global Force. Force Wrestling. See, it's been that long that I already put it completely out of my mind. Completely out of my mind. Uh something else is going to be going uh down at all in that is I think it's just going to be super super cool. Of course, is Starcast. Uh ran by Conrad Thompson. Um, tickets available now, starcast.com. We will be there Thursday night from five to close at Podcast Row. Uh, Rick, some of the names that are coming out of here, are, is there anybody on this podcast list that you're just like, oh my God, I have to meet this person. I've been listening to their show for so long. I just have to go up and be like, you know what? I love your show. Well, you know, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it professional. Where there, I'm not going to mark out for anybody. Uh, but hey, I'm looking forward to you know making some great contacts. You know, improving improving our stock here in the podcast game. Uh, hopefully, improving my stock in my professional life of marketing. I think it's going to be just a tremendous opportunity. Uh, and as I say, I'm going to try to act professional. And you know, you know, it's going to be hard not to. It sometimes there there are some big names involved here, some major players in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, there's a couple there that, man, I would just love to sit down from any, just a business perspective and just pick their brains. One that really just comes to my mind. I've been listening to his new show, 83 Weeks, uh, and and kind of I love just his not just his insight, but. You have to have this in business. You have to believe in yourself, put a positive twist on your ideas, even if you know sometimes they're not even the best, even though you do come out and say, okay, maybe not the best. Uh, but here's why. Would I, I'd love to pick Eric Bischoff's brain. Yeah, I would, I would love to sit down with the Bish and uh, pick his brain just from a TV perspective. Screw all the wrestling stuff. Just from the, the, the current TV landscape perspective, I've always thought that Eric Bischoff was a, a fantastic executive producer, regardless of what you thought of his career inside of the wrestling business. Uh, for, for me, it's Matt McCarthy. Uh, I, I absolutely love the We Watch Wrestling podcast. I really hope that I can get Matt to call me a fat piece of shit by the uh, end of uh, StarCast. That's really what I'm going for. Don't let me down. Don't let me down. Um, much like Adam Cole, I'm a fat piece of shit. Uh, Rick, anything else that you wanted to touch on outside of the world of WWE before we throw it over to the musical break and, uh, come back and, uh, just 
absolutely torture ourselves trying to, to, to give constructive opinions of uh, this week's red and blue shows. Well, you know, just kind of to kind of wrap up the, you know, the all in talk, the star cast, especially the star cast, you know, what a great opportunity for you and myself for the hitting the marks pro wrestling podcast. Uh, we're also going to be there representing the grill position.com, the Hami media group. We're going to make so many great connections, uh, the exposure, but so many of, of our listeners, you know, our friends, those in the wrestling circles that we run in, they're going to be there. I mean, this is going to be a truly like a, like a big family reunion. And it's so many months away. I know it's going to, it, it seems like it's so far away. It's going to be here in the blink of an eye, but I'm really looking forward to, you know, making those, those real personal connections. There are these people that we've got to know that are a part of like our everyday lives, people we talk to on the regular closer to than the actual people we know in our day-to-day lives uh, to be able to sit there and really just enjoy something that we all love, embrace this thing and just come away as a stronger unit because of it. You know, I, I just want to throw this out there. You know, a, a couple of weeks back, Rick was approached about delivering a $5 face slap. And we talked about getting into the training program. So, you know, we could start throwing out like, you know, quarter face slaps, 50 face slaps, work our way on up, you know, under the tutelage of the Ayatollah, Ben Hameen. But I'm telling you right now, if William Alicia does not quit tagging me in this John Cena and Nikki Bella bullshit, I ain't even going to give him a face slap. I'm going to punch the motherfucker in the throat. I am so sick of this goddamn story. Oh my God, I hate it so much. So I guess let's throw it over to the musical break. Uh, since, since, since we're going to go across the pond for Monday Night Raw and Tuesday Night Smackdown, we're going to go with a UK theme today. This is Bring Me the Horizon, and it's very much like I feel about segment two. This song is called Doomed. We'll be right back. Cut off my wings and come lock me up. Just pull the plug, yeah, I've had enough. Tear me to pieces, sell me for parts. You're all vampires, so here you can have a So, but he can't really see 
Hey, this is Stevie Richards. I'm here to tell you, you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this, a resistance band. I'm so excited to offer the 12-week resistance band training program to you, which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos, modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability, no matter what fitness level or what age you are, the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So just put in stevierichardsfitness.com, go to the store, and download the 12-week resistance band training program. Hey, what's up, you Melvins? It's your boy TKO Ryan, one-third of the best six-man tag team on the planet, The Kingdom, and you were listening to The Locker Room with RBV and Jargo. So that was a word from our boy Stevie Richards, as well as uh, our boy TKO Ryan, one-third of the best tag team around, The Kingdom. Loving The Kingdom, man. Loving The Kingdom. Those guys are just on fire right now. Uh, but, you know, we, we, we're talking about The Kingdom and The Kingdom Conspiracy Let's let's go ahead and talk some WWE, and I guess I guess let's start off with Roman Reigns and the the the, the Roman Reigns conspiracy. I guess we can we can actually dub it that now because it really seems like that's where we're going here. I cannot believe that number one they made Kurt Angle utter the words "best for business," and number two, I cannot believe that Roman Reigns speared Jinder Mahal through a cardboard wall. Rick, what are they doing with Roman Reigns right now? What are they doing? Well, you know, let's talk about immediately Roman. He kicks off the show here. Boot out, boot out of the UK. You think that it was bad here? The, the UK fans, man, they let him have it. Absolutely let him have it. And what got me, I guess it, it popped me, not in a, like a, a positive way, but I got a good little laugh out of it, is immediately commentary goes over to remind us that we are in Bizarro World. When, this is when do we leave game. Bizarro World? Can somebody please explain to me when we leave Bizarro World? I just it just immediately that they go to this, this same, oh, this is just the UK audience. It's okay. You should still love Roman. You know, they still give us that. Roman comes out here. He he demands that Jinder comes out to face him. This causes a, an uproar for Jinder. People are wanting Jinder Mahal to come out and take care of business over Roman Reigns. Well, and I mean, we're going to talk about Braun Strowman a little bit later. But, you know, Braun Strowman, arguably the most over babyface on Monday Night Raw right now. Need we remind you how Braun Strowman got over as a babyface? It was by murdering Roman Reigns. Well, I'm going to say, you know, even that, though, there were some tendencies. You figured people, they like big, destructive, you know, just happenings. Uh, that Braun Strowman has the makings of someone that is so different than what we get today. He's a classic throwback. People were going to gravitate towards that. Is there any bigger misfire in this this whole Roman agenda than Ginger Mahal getting cheered? Is this the biggest misfire from WWE creative and management? Well, I mean, to me, 
Jinder Mahal being cheered told me one thing, and I was listening to the boys on the Wednesday locker room, and they're still on this kick that if you ever want Roman Reigns to be the face of the company, you have to turn him heel. And But Jinder Mahal being cheered told me one thing. It's too late. It is too late. There is nothing in the world that you are ever going to do that is going to get Roman Reigns over as the lead babyface on Monday Night Raw. Even he could be heel for five years, guys. It's not going to happen. He is not going to become the face of the WWE. The fans are not going to have it. They're just not. That's what Jinder Mahal told me. It's too late. You can turn him heel. He can make a whole bunch of money for you. Triple H was the best supporting castman ever, and he's one of the greatest of all time. But Triple H was never the guy. That's the role I see Roman Reigns in now. He is quite possibly the best supporting cast member ever as a heel, but he is never going to be the face of the company. What's even more perplexing with this entire situation is we are starting to, where it's becoming obvious you know, we heard the rumors that they were going to rehash the Daniel Bryan storyline where it is management kind of kind of against Roman. They're not giving him the opportunities. They're holding him down. And the hopes are from from creative set standpoint is that this is going to work in favor of Roman where the fans are eventually going to rally behind him because the machine is holding him down. You know, we were talking in segment one. We were talking about why people are gravitating to all in because it's them taking on corporate. Hey, maybe this is a roundabout way for WWE to get people to love corporate America again. Yeah, that very well could be. Against corporate America, you know, just on the surface, when you hear the the comparison to it worked for Daniel Bryan, it can work for Roman Reigns. That's completely asinine. No one, no one in their right mind can buy into that. They are two different superstars, two different stories, two different, just everything about it. There's no similarities there. And they already actually tried this once. With Roman Reigns, let's all remember that mean, mean old authority, mean old management, they made him defend his championship in a Royal Rumble match. He had to take on 29 other superstars who came out on top there. Management, the authority. They went into WrestleMania. That road to WrestleMania, people were cheering Triple H. They wanted Triple H to go over. They wanted him to retain at WrestleMania. They didn't want Roman to have anything to do with that title. It's already not worked. I think it's a weird way, as you were kind of pointing out, you know, how does WWE counter this, this huge momentum that we're seeing on the indies, that we're seeing from the Bullet Club, from, from Ring of Honor, from New Japan, everyone involved with, with All In. How do you counter that? Well, let's make corporate America cool by putting Roman Reigns against corporate America. <laughs> it's hilarious because it's true. It's true. And, you know, this is the thing. They try so hard. They try so unbelievably hard and it just backfires every time. I mean, when we saw Roman Reigns spear Jinder Mahal through that wall, it was so obvious that that was cardboard that was like taped over a hallway. It's just like, this is why we boo Roman Reigns. You guys are trying so hard. And it's just not believable at all on any plane of existence. It's not going to work. He's Triple H at best, which is not a bad place to be. 
Hunter's one of the greatest. There's no questioning that. 14-time world heavyweight champion. But he was never the guy. You know, the, the only, I, I probably would, could have gotten down with the cardboard wall spot uh, if we had like 50 wire ties pop off of the thing. It, we knew that's what was going You know what? I don't even want to harp on that so much. And then, the, well, my- then the, the, the most hilarious part was they kept going back to it to show you replays of the cardboard wall. Well, that's just like they did with the cage. I mean, how many times did we see the wire ties there? I, I don't really want to get on that. That's just what really steams me there. And I want to, and I'm going to bring this up as we're talking through these two shows. You're dealing with with a company who has one of the most incredible production divisions in the entire world, and this is the best you can come up with here. I mean, I, I see better from my local indie promotion. You know that are that are are glad to fill 250 people into a gymnasium. They're putting more value. They're putting more effort into their production, the visuals, how they handle things there. And, and we're not getting that from the biggest and supposedly best wrestling company in the world. I mean, that kind of, that irks me a little bit. But this kind of the story that we had here between Roman and Gender through, that played throughout this show, how much sympathy was really put on gender? I mean, he is the guy, you know, sure. Last week he got a little involved, but everything he's been kind of saying a little bit rings true. So he took his frustration out there, of course, on the big dog. Uh, but now this week, you know, you're getting these vicious blindsided attacks. Uh, he's trying to take him out of this match, but still from gender, you still see the will to go on. He still wants to go out there and compete. Nothing's going to stop him. It's not the big dog standing, uh, standing up to him like a man. It was kind of blind, blindsided, cowardly acts. I mean, this was more fire out of Roman Reigns towards Jinder Mahal after what happened last week than we have seen over the entire course of the Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe blood feud. Like, you would have thought that Jinder Mahal had been fucking with Roman Reigns for the last year and a half the way Roman Reigns went after Jinder Mahal. And when Roman Reigns blindsides Jinder Mahal... Jinder Mahal gets the best of him off the top. Roman has to come back to get over on Jinder Mahal. Well, yeah, that's another thing, too. It just kind of you know occurs to me when we make these comparisons about the true babies, if they do want to blur things, you know, we've seen this from Austin. But here's the difference. If Austin was going to take care of business, I mean, he's, he, he's a rattlesnake. He's going to bite you. But it only takes one bite. It doesn't take the entire show to keep this just somewhat of a, a cowardly villain and gender down. I mean, the guy takes the ultimate shortcuts. He never stands up to anyone face to face. He's always got a plan. So the big dog, the guy that runs the yard, the, the toughest SOB nowadays in, that on Monday night raw, it takes him the whole show to put him down. Austin would have had this guy out in an ambulance in segment one. The, the pop moment of Monday night raw for me was when gender grabbed the Singh brother and just heaved him at Roman reigns. I popped pretty hard for that. That was, that was impressive. That was impressive. Uh, let, let, let's move on to, uh, Lashley and Sami Zayn because, uh, above everything else, as I was watching this Sami Zayn promo, I was sitting there with my head in my hands going, what the fuck is this? Rick, do you know how long this promo was? Uh, no, I, I have to be a little honest. I was a little in and out of it. I don't think I'm as down on some of the subtleties. In, in the promo that most people are, I thought some of it was a little humorous. I, I do. I kind of laugh a little bit with Sammy with the, with the grandma glasses. I kind of liked his little vertigo, act, his little vertigo 
act thing there that he would have went on and won the greatest Royal Rumble. It kind of an it, it, see the insider joke there kind of worked because he wasn't obviously breaking that fourth wall, like waiting for the pause or going directly and spelling it out for the audience. It was something you really had to search for. That worked for me, but uh, again, this is one of those things where maybe it's the right direction if the if this is where they want to go, but the execution was terrible for me. Now, you, I'm going to let you go tear this thing down. Well, I mean, this felt like about a 13 minute promo. I went back and rewatched it. This was only five minutes. It was five minutes that felt like 13. And that was kind of my synopsis of Monday Night Raw. It was three hours. I actually watched it live this week. That was the most draining three-hour show I have watched. And for it felt like an eight-hour show. It just kind of drug on and on and on. I, don't, I didn't necessarily mind the Zayn promo this week. It's what they set up for next week that has me worried. I mean, do you have any faith in WWE that this is not going to come out Alexa Bliss and Bailey? This is your life cringeworthy. Because I don't. Uh, there are there are two things I'm expecting from WWE next week, and it is on Monday night and on SmackDown. We are going to see two new lows. Uh, when it comes to professional wrestling and here on Monday night for what is supposed to be an entertainment segment, an entertainment skit, I have a feeling this could be a new low of lows. I think this is just going to be cringeworthy and it's not even, it's going to be so bad that it's one of those, you don't even, it's not even so bad. You feel sorry for them. You're just disappointed, not even in them, but yourself for tuning in for it. Yeah. And, and going back to last week, you know, we said, if this was like part one of the Bobby Lashley story, and this was going to be something that was drawn out over the course of, you know, four to five weeks, kind of like the Roderick strong story was told down in NXT. Okay, cool. I can get behind that. If this was a one-off, it sucked. Evidently it was a one-off. So now in retrospect, I'm going to say that sucked. That's your character development for Bobby freaking Lashley. Yeah, if we got something like they did for Roddy where you really buy into the background and then you translate that into appreciating the performance you're getting in the ring, that works. I'm going to throw a little twist on here what you said. If I just You said if, if last week was just a one-off, it sucked. Well, now it really sucks because it wasn't just a one-off because it's spinning off into a dramatic – we're not going to appreciate Bobby Lashley for the athlete. We have to get him in some, some kind of – confangled storyline here. The only thing that could possibly save this for me is at a certain point next week, Bobby Lashley has had enough of watching Sami Zayn and his bullshit. And Bobby Lashley comes walking out and he laughs at Sammy and he says, ha ha ha. That's cute. And proceeds to murder him. Just absolutely freaking destroy Sami Zayn. Absolutely destroy i need to see more fire out of bobby lashley than i have ever seen in his entire career next week otherwise you know, it's really, just it, it is rare it is rare that when you see these kids where they try to bring in someone from the outside from the past with a family that this this ever goes over well i mean i could see them bringing in like cross dressers for this i always hope that you're right that they sammy tries to make some kind of just ridiculous joke out of this thing 
This obviously is, is not his sister. Sammy got catfished or something, but it ends quickly with Bobby just destroying Sammy. Yeah. I mean, like I need, I need something out of Bobby Lashley that says, all right, you know what? I went on with this for a while. Um, but those are not my sisters. You want to disrespect me? That's one thing. You're going to disrespect my sisters. I'm going to kick your fucking ass. That's what I and need you out get of Bobby Lashley. Back, then you get back to this. Then you get back to the serious, legit athlete in Bobby Lashley, which is the direction they should be going with him. There's nothing wrong with dramatic storylines going on in professional wrestling. There is a time and a place for that. Right now is not the time with Bobby Lashley. We need to reestablish for what he is. He is a legit combat sport athlete. He is a former collegiate champion, Olympic hopeful, Army Ranger. This man is one of the baddest men walking the planet. We don't need a grab dick drama storyline right now for him. One of the things that I just do not understand about WWE television the last couple of weeks is why we are so insistent on doing triple threat matches to qualify for Money in the Bank. So this week on Monday Night Raw, we get Bobby Roode versus Baron Corbin versus No Way Jose. Why did this need to be a triple threat match? Why couldn't this just be Bobby Roode versus Baron Corbin to qualify for Money in the Bank? Did anybody, anybody honestly think no way Jose was going to qualify for money in the bank. Well, it, it, WWE's, I guess to their defense, I don't agree with it. Uh, first of all, they can't get a triple threat match right to save their life. Maybe like one out of 10, they'll get right. I've saved the triple threat at WrestleMania for the Intercontinental Championship. Entertaining, passable. That's your one out of your, of your next 10 that's going to be anywhere near good. When they put on a triple threat match, as you put it over, it's essentially three singles matches going on within one match. Yep. Somebody take a nap at ringside and these two will be featured for a while and then you come in and then this one goes out and it's so formulaic. Well, and, and here the issue is and the way they the formula for these things, it's not like when you went back to where the triple threats really became popular in ECW. And back then it was Heyman thinking, you know, I've got an hour of television here. I got to get my bang for my buck. How could I get more legit, legit talent out there? And the answer was triple threats. But then all the talents were equal. Any one of them could have gone over at any given time. And they knew how to all work together within that dynamic. Here it is. Right when we see this match, immediately my mind goes to, they are too afraid to make a decision on Corbin or Rude, so you put a scapegoat in that match. So the question is, not not are we, not are we, where are we going with Corbin and Rude? Not even how that could be interesting. It's okay, which one gets the pin on No Way, and that's your match. Yep, absolutely. That's the only reason No Way Jose was in this match. The other thing that drives me absolutely crazy about the triple threat matches to qualify for Money in the Bank is they're not consistent with it. Next week on SmackDown, we're going to have Samoa Joe versus Big Cass to see which one qualifies for Money in the Bank. If you're going to have nothing but triple threat matches to qualify for Money in the Bank, then have nothing but triple threat matches to qualify for Money in the Bank. Well, I think that maybe they were trying that because you're seeing these triple threats more on Raw. They've only had one triple threat for a qualifier on SmackDown, and that was for a women's match. 
You haven't seen any of the other men. You haven't seen any of the men's qualifying on SmackDown in triple threat. It's been straight up one-on-one. So it looks like in the men's division, they're all triple threats. Interesting. Interesting. So maybe in their minds, they're trying to say, okay, we've got the two different brands. Let's try to do something distinctive between the two. Again, that's just them believing their own hype that we, any of us believe that there is any kind of distinction between them or competition or anything like that. I think that's a good pickup. That's that's a good one for you there, Huckleberry. Uh, Bobby Roode qualifies for Money in the Bank. Very little fanfare for th- for this match in general. I mean, really, you get past the Bobby Roode entrance, and nobody cares about Bobby Roode. Uh, you get past the No Way Jose entrance, nobody cares about No Way Jose. Uh, Baron Corbin, I just they seem so hot and cold on this guy. It's like if they would just make up their mind and go one direction with Baron Corbin, I could get behind Baron Corbin or I could dislike Baron Corbin, but it's like, they just have absolutely no idea what to do with Baron Corbin. I think he's one of those guys that maybe creative is lost on him. They can't really come up with anything for him, but Vince repeatedly keeps mentioning him. We see those reports, you know, every so often, you know, maybe once a month, Vince is still high on him. They still think Corbin has all the tools to be that big superstar. It seems like that, that it maybe gets brought up in meetings every so often, but then they quickly, like, you know, within a couple of days, he's forgotten again. Yeah. I just, I don't, I just pick a direction and go with it regardless of what that direction is. You were talking about the reaction from the crowd, especially how you know we're used to the UK fans and how they react, especially to darlings. I mean, you would think Bobby Roode would really fall under that umbrella, and he really didn't get any kind of reaction from that. Crickets. And the match went on. For, this was at least a two-segment match. It felt like it went on forever. I normally have the match times. I didn't do that this week. Of course, the one time I actually want it, I don't do it. Uh, then, then we have uh, your, Rick's new favorite performer, uh, false finish Rollins uh, taking on Kevin Owens for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, I'm, I'm still sticking by exactly what I said, man. They are setting up Seth Rollins to be the one to beat Brock Lesnar. They even put it over in the commentary. Hashtag Brock who? They put it over in the commentary. Kevin Owens just happened to be on the other side of the ring of Seth Rollins this week. This is going to be Seth Rollins running through everyone until he gets to Brock Lesnar. Uh, okay, I get that, but I'm going to need more story behind this because at, at this point here, I might get some heat for this one. I cannot believe how many people were high on this thing. As I'm talking to, you know, to the individuals that, that are in the wrestling circles that, that we converse in, and what you think about Raw? You know, I'm trying to get a, a feel, uh, some feedback as I'm prepping here for the show. We know what the what the fans really thought about the show, and for the most part, you know, not this show was just kind of there. You know, it was eh, it was another week. I watched nothing exciting, but that Rollins match, man, that was the highlight. I can't get into this. I'm tired of this. Uh, for me, that I mean, I've, we've it's not like we haven't seen Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins before. I, we, we saw a pretty extended program with these two guys not that long ago. Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins, Hell in a Cell, was really good. This was a fine TV match, but it's nothing to write home about. I think it's just that the WWE standard for matches is so low that when you get a Seth Rollins match, everybody just loses their freaking minds. That should be the standard, not the exception to the rule. 
Uh, the Seth Rollins matches, they are becoming my bathroom break. This is where I'll go change the laundry, go to the restroom, get something to eat. Because this is the same match we are seeing week after week, show after show. It is right down to a T. Uh, whoever is the agent for these matches has got to be loving life because they don't have to do anything. Yeah, no, it's just... A- go out there and follow the same plot line, the same formula that you do night in, night out. And my biggest issue with this is if I'm seeing this for 20 minutes every single week on Raw, why do I give a damn when it's happening at a pay-per-view? My other big question here is I know you're building, you, you are sticking by it. I agree with you. It seems like the direction might be Brock, but how, how long do we just stop caring here? I mean, can we rev it up a little bit? Can we let them know that is the intent somehow of the direction he wants to go to? Hashtag Brock who? I think that's pretty clear. Here, here is what's scaring me, though. We still have a month until Money in the Bank. I don't think they're going to put him in any kind of program because anyone that would be interesting in a program with him is going to be tied up in the Money in the Bank match. What about Baron Corbin? What's the fuel going to be there? What, what do I care about this? Maybe what's Corbin attack because he was uh, he ain't got left out of Money in the else Bank? to do. What else has Baron Corbin got to do? I I guess you could go that route. I just don't know how much that I can get invested in something like that. Well, you you don't invest in it because you know Seth Rollins is going over. I mean, and and inevitably that becomes the problem. They're going to wear this thing out because you're just going to become numb to all of Seth Rollins' offense like you have already. You've just spent... Prior to WrestleMania, you just spent two months giving me a slow burn towards Balor and Rollins. That could have been a great holder program where you would have had some doubt going in. If you had those two in the best two out of three match going into Money in the Bank, there could have been some question. Hey, they could put this on Balor and then shift Rollins into the main event scene. That could have been something. You had a slow burn there. They were one up in each other. Who is better? There was that starting, oh, I can't kind of turn my back on this guy. He's going to he's gonna do something to me. You know, where really is the tension between these shoes? What is the line? And then that goes off the window when you just throw Balor into the Money in the Bank match. I would have much rather had Finn Balor turn heel, bring back the demon at Money in the Bank, and face Seth Rollins for the Intercontinental Championship. And two out of three falls, whatever happens, happens. That's a program I could have invested in. But no, we're just going to put Finn in Money in the Bank, and he's not going to win it. He's yeah. Not. So now, so now, we're just relying on an open challenge gimmick and a ladder gimmick to hopefully they this draws the fans in for for these two talents that you know I, I'm not really big on either one of them, but I'm not naive enough to think that there's not a spot for them high on that card because they are loved by the masses. But now they're just relying on gimmicks where they could have had a hot program to really get people invested and excited about something on WWE. Oh, we'll talk about the gimmick of all gimmicks to help sell Money in the Bank here in just a minute. I would like to point out that, you know, Money in the Bank is happening in Chicago, Illinois. Tickets still available. Uh, By the way, Cody and the Young Bucks, 10,000 seats, sold it out in 29 minutes and 36 seconds in the same City. Uh, so let's talk about uh, Kevin Owens, Bobby Lashley, 
and Elias. Uh, this is a result of evidently Kevin Owens calling and complaining to Stephanie McMahon. What is going on here? Like, why is Stephanie McMahon so high on Kevin Owens? I mean, we, we, we have to remember, we, let's put this in context. A few months ago, Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon were in the middle of a blood feud because Kevin Owens beat the shit out of Stephanie McMahon's father. And yet Stephanie McMahon has brought Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn back to Monday Night Raw, the highest acquisition inside of the Superstar Shakeup, which had absolutely nothing to do with Kurt Angle. Now we have Kevin Owens calling Stephanie McMahon and complaining about how Kurt Angle is treating him. So she calls Kurt Angle, at least that's what I'm to assume, and informs him that Kevin Owens is going to be in this triple threat match, replacing Jinder Mahal because Roman Reigns has bludgeoned Jinder Mahal backstage. What is the attachment here? Why does Stephanie McMahon have such a hard-on for Kevin Owens? And if it's not Stephanie McMahon that has the hard-on for Kevin Owens, it's Triple H. Fucking tell me that. You know what this entire situation reminds me of? Uh, This is like that couple that hooked up. They thought everything was going to be great. They're going to have this great relationship. Uh, But things go south. Uh, so you'd have the the male counterpart, obviously, is Kurt Angle. The female is Stephanie McMahon. Uh, it, it is a very bad split between these two. It, it's been like a war during this breakup. And kind of there in the middle, you've got Kevin Owens, who is that kid that they that they had during that night of passion stuck in the middle. Uh, so they go to – and the dad doesn't have – he has his weekend privileges but doesn't have custody or anything like that. So the kid kind of sees it. The kid's kind of bratty. Knows dad doesn't have that much authority. So when dad tries to assert himself, you know, you know, is holding the kid up to some standards, so laying down the law, uh, the kid's real quick, I'm calling mom. I would call my mom on you. That's what we're getting here. Uh, and the mom on this, you know, on that side, she hates the dad so much. She is so bitter about what he has done. I mean, he went out and got this other girl to beat her up. She is so bitter. That she is just giving in to everything that the little spoiled brat wants. That's what we're getting here in this situation. I just, I, it, inside of the continuity of the story, it would make sense for me that Hunter is the one putting Owens in these situations. But as soon as Kurt said, yes, Stephanie, I was just like, Wait, why would Stephanie be just even taking calls from Kevin Owens at this point. Well, no, no, this would, this would work. She probably doesn't care so much about the old man attack. She knows what her dad's about. He gets out there and mixes it up. He's his own man. Stephanie's in charge of running raw. She handles her own business. The McMahons have never been ones to, to be loyal to one another. They're snakes in this business. They'll stab each other in the back time and time again. We've seen that. So now Stephanie just knows anything that she can do. Uh, to get over on Kurt Angle to to make sure that to reconfirm that his balls are firmly locked up in her desk at Titan Towers, she's going to do that. Because we're also seeing, uh, you know, she stepped in and corrected him with the issue with Jinder Mahal last week when he kind of laughed and made the big joke, "You're not going to get an opportunity." Well, you know, he changed his tune about that, and that goes back to the open you mentioned where he's dropping best for business because Stephanie put his ass in check. Do you think Kevin Owens stands a chance of winning this thing? 
I would like to see Kevin Owens with the briefcase at some point, but it doesn't feel like it's Kevin Owens' time to be holding the briefcase. Yeah, I almost think, just overall, I, I think you're probably going to see the men's winner come from the SmackDown side. I think there's there's just so such better possibilities, storylines going forward. I don't know there's much intrigue with the briefcase over on over on Raw. I guess it's, it is kind of comical to think, you know, we've got a case where our champ, we don't even know where the hell he's at. When is your opportunity going to come? But outside of that, I just think there's better. There's a better story to be told with the individuals we know that are already qualified or we're assuming are going to qualify from SmackDown uh, to be in possession of that case. Oh, so funny. So funny. Uh, how stupid is Elias? You want to talk about how stupid Elias is? Why would you do that? What? Why? Like, Why? That entire spot with Elias getting the guitar and having JoJo hold the microphone for him. And why? Why would you do that? Well, yeah, I kind of enjoyed that. You know, it's him being cocky. He's a, he's above them all. He is a star bigger than the superstars of the WWE. He's going to get his spot in. I, I think it was pretty good for, you know, if he's obviously not going over in this match, I think it's a great way for him to shine and kind of steal the show here. It's, I, I mean, I popped for it. It was just like, why would I, you, you know, do that? You know, looking at this here, you know, from the storyline perspective, I think he, he actually comes out more memorable in this match than anyone else. Oh, I agree with that. I agree with that. I also, I kind of wish that we would have flipped around Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. I kind of wish that it was Kevin Owens doing this whole thing with Bobby Lashley and, and Lashley's sisters. And then we could have done a double turn. Like Lashley could have just like beaten Kevin Owens, like so senseless that people would have felt bad for Kevin Owens for talking shit and turned Lashley into this monster heel. But no, we're, we're, we're going to get Sami Zayn and Bobby Lashley. God. So let's throw it over to the Jersey Mike segment presented by Kleenex. Introducing new softer Kleenex tissues. Now in prettier packages. Sometimes a little change can make a big difference. Kleenex. Softer. Prettier. So I almost put this at the top of the show, Rick. Uh, this Nia Jackson, Ronda Rousey thing. Um, <clears throat> couple of things that I think we need to expand on for, for a few people. Um, Number one, uh, the WWE was there for NBC Upfront. Do you know what uh, uh, an Upfront is as far as an in industry term? Uh, that could, I don't know the precise behind it, but I, I do. I understand what the, the event was about. You know, I wonder, understand what that was for. Um, I actually, as, as you know, we're actually recording a little bit earlier today because I had to go to a meeting at work. That was for the Fox Upfront. Uh, basically what this is, is they, they debut all of their new shows that are coming out. They hype all the new seasons for the returning shows that are coming out for NBC universal television. Now, some people are like, why is the WWE even there? Because NBC universal owns USA network. That's the tie in here. Um, this established one narrative to me that I, I feel like is being greatly missed. And it's not that this is all Charlotte's fault. We're going to talk about that in a second. As far as the WWE audience, this was not marketed to the WWE audience 
in any way, shape, or form. This was marketed to stockholders and television executives and film people. That's why they did this at the NBC upfront. This was done for people inside the TV industry. This has nothing to do with you WWE fans. This is all about corporate suits and stockholders. That's why this was done at NBC upfront. And that's why it was so God fucking awful. I guess before we jump into my, you know, my take on how this actually has played out and the reasoning behind it. And you nailed it, brother. You know, this was about something more than just the, you know, the casual and the usual that sits down on Monday evening, flips over to the USA network and settles in for what they hope is to be an entertaining night of WWE programming. And, and you're right though. We do have to remember that they are, they're much more than that. They're publicly traded. They are right now. They are in, they're getting ready. They're in the prelims right now of a huge television contract negotiation. Uh, From all indications, WWE played a huge role at this upfront program. And this is, as you were saying, this is where they roll everything out. This is a parade for NBC Universal. Everything that they've got coming up, everything they're renewing, this is their big hype moment. And when you really look at what WWE brings to that table, even though ratings are down, they still are premier programming for USA Network, who is one of the top dogs in cable television. And without the WWE, the USA Network drops out of the top five cable networks, which seriously hurts their advertising. You're right. So that is why that they're doing this here. Now, when this story broke, it was early Monday afternoon is when we're getting uh, the news sources that we've got the match that it is set. It is Nia Jax versus Ronda Rousey. Immediately, uh, fans from from all walks of life start attacking this. She hasn't earned anything. She doesn't deserve this. Why would they announce this here? This this makes no sense. That it, this is too soon. They don't need Ronda in this position. I immediately came to its defense. Now, this is before I saw it play out. I'm going to backtrack a little bit after I lay this out. Not much, uh, but just a little bit. But just from the report and hearing how it played out, it it made sense in their narrative. This was the champ Nia Jax issuing the challenge. This wasn't like management saying, okay, we're just going to give this to Ronda because of her superstar profile. This was Nia the champ throwing out a challenge which plays to her character where she's out there trying to you know, represent this image and be a role model for certain individuals, those that are backing her, that you can achieve anything, no, no matter you know, what you, where you come from, what you look like. You know, anyone could be a champion, and she wants to prove that she could be the absolute best. So it makes sense that, yes, she would, if she's going that route, that she wants to challenge the absolute best. I get the message, I get the reasoning, I get the direction, but I, even if you want to do this for the suits, the stockholders, for the corporate world, the execution was just pitiful. Yeah, it was terrible. Execution was god-awful. Just god-awful. Um, Rousey playing the humble girl that, well, you know, I think there's a lot of other people no. that deserve that shot before me that I, I just thought was absolutely ridiculous. If the champ Not says, humble. I want to challenge you, she should have said, all right, bitch, let's do it. She was playing the mark that she keeps playing. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, as far as non kayfabe goes, 
uh, the, the story has kind of come out that WWE felt like they were in a terrible spot here. Uh, they, they did not want Ronda Rousey in the ladder match, which I understand. They did not want Ronda Rousey to lose a qualifying match for the Money in the Bank ladder match, which I understand. They also felt like they had to put Ronda Rousey on this card, which I also understand. But man, there's not anything better that you could have come up with than a championship match against Nia Jax? How is this like how is the Chicago crowd going to react to this? It will be interesting to see what kind of reception it gets. Because, you know, there was a lot of people down on the WrestleMania match. And I think that was more because of the story and the build. And, again, we really don't have one. But, you know, Ronda went out there and surprised a lot of the people. Of course, there she was working with two of the greatest male performers of the last two decades. And you also had Stephanie, who, who knows how to handle her character. And she knows how to emote net ring and handle herself. Maybe not the best you know, technical performer, but she knows how to handle herself. She was very protected. Now we're putting her in here. Uh, I'll albeit the champion Nia is still very green uh she is not very sound in her performance and she blows up quite easily yeah this i don't expect this to be a a very long match this could be a completely different dynamic i think we're going to get a very confused ending i think we're going to get a no contest i just don't go back you you know you were talking about that statement made that wwe felt that they were they were pushed into a corner where they had to do something with her on this show I'm not buying that. I totally disagree with that statement. I don't know if there was this, this, these masses of fans just clamoring and demanding to have Ronda perform in your ring at this event. And you've got all these gimmicks already on the show. You've got championship matches. I don't know if you needed this one. Yep. Completely agree. Completely agree. Uh, let, let, let's, uh, oh wait, there, there, there is one other thing that I think was just, glaring that we have to talk about here Nia Jax making the statement I have an obligatory title defense at money in the bank so I'm challenging you if I'm any champion on the WWE roster I'm not talking about obligatory title defenses as long as Brock Lesnar is holding the universal championship that was just stupid that was just stupid I don't think that's that big of a deal because it is out there. It is known Brock is not on the same playing field as everybody else. He is on a different level. He gets the, the special treatment. And Heyman's even, you know, hinted at this in his promos. He's not like everyone else. There is a reason he is a prize fighter. So I don't care what champion you are. Brock is on another level. Okay. We all know that. Maybe not the best choice of words. That's the thing. She shouldn't have said it at all. That's the thing. There is nothing inside of her promo that she said after that, that was reliant on that statement. That statement should have just never been there to begin with. There's no need to pull unnecessary attention to the fact that Brock Lesnar is not defending the championship at money in the bank. I have a bigger issue. I have a bigger issue with, with the statement, not so much with Brock, because I understand why Brock's not there. Brock is on another level than Nia Jax. He's on another level than Seth Rollins. I don't, that doesn't bother me at all. Her saying that she has to defend there, what throws that out for me, it kind of throws away the message of, I'm a fighting champ. I want the best. It should have been, you know what? I'm willing to do this. Yeah. I went, I went, said, I want this. 
Not like, okay, they're forcing my hand, so you know what? I guess I'll take the best. This should have been just her saying, you know what? I volunteered. They, you know what? They actually offered me the night off. This event's already so big. We've got multiple ladder matches. We've got a, a huge WWE championship match. But I said no. I said I want to be on this show. Money in the Bank is one of our marquee majors. I want to be there and light up Chicago. And I want to do it against the very best in the world, Ronda. I want to do it against you. That would have been point. Great point. I just want a little bit of continuity. That's all I want. I don't feel like I'm asking for too much. Just a little bit of continuity. And the, and the entire format here, you know, Nia, she really couldn't keep it together. You've got Ronda playing a mark. If there would have been some fire, some fire under this thing, I, it just would have came off. This isn't, if this is where you want to go, you got the right direction, but damn, did you miss the mark? And I feel like this also hurt Charlotte too. Oh, I don't think anyone came out of this thing looking looking good at all. No, I mean you got someone who is the alpha of both of your divisions of all women's wrestling in WWE. Uh, she is what represents championship material, and now she's facilitating this thing. Well, and, and she's sitting there acting like a mark, like, "Oh my god, I have to see this match. Oh my god, I'm just, I'm so. Oh my gosh, I have to. You have to do this. You have to do this." Well, and I think the only reason she was actually involved in this is because. As bad as it was, at least she could help move it along. Yeah, but I feel I feel like this did hurt Charlotte a little bit too, just a little bit. Uh, the, let, let's go ahead and move on to uh, Natty, Sasha, Ember Moon versus the Riot Squad. Uh, not not really a whole lot to talk about here, which I guess is actually part of what there is to talk about here. Uh, Ember Moon already qualified for the Women's Money in the Bank. I cannot remember Ember Moon even being in this match. She felt like such an incredible afterthought. The only thing that I felt like was of any importance here was Natalia getting the win. For that, they are still making Natalia look strong if they do decide to pivot to Natalia and Ronda Rousey. Yeah, I think we got a continued, we got the continued slow burn as we get Sasha and Bailey past each other in the in the hallway. Good luck tonight. Was that before this match or was it? It was before. I think that was before Bailey, Mickey and Alexa, which we're going to talk about here in just a second. Bailey was walking to the ring. Okay. So that doesn't even tie in here. Uh, You're right. Commentary actually was, was pretty, pretty heavy on putting over the relationship relationship between Natalia and Rousey and and Rousey. Yeah. They were pretty big on putting that over. That's pretty much all we really got out of this match, and it's actually all I remember from it. Yep, that 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 was really the only thing to talk about inside of this match. Uh, Bailey versus Mickey versus Alexa, uh, triple threat to qualify for the women's Money in the Bank. I think the right girl goes over. I think you have to have Alexa Bliss in this match. You know what? You got all these triple threat Money in the Bank qualifiers, and as I pointed up, you know this seems like it's something that's more distinctive for raw would it have been better to flip the script and have Paige setting up triple threats well three ways yeah uh i i damn it you, you just ruined my joke you just ruined my joke because i was gonna get to that here save it for a tease for the smackdown men's division just save that all right we'll just we'll edit that out we'll edit that out um alexa bliss goes over isn't that the right option here uh, right call, but I'm going to tell you, as, as as much as we were talking about the six-woman tag, not a whole lot that I remember from this thing. Uh, nope. Mickey kind of stabs Alexa in the, in the back a little bit, which, I mean, it is every woman for themselves. They're trying to get the money in the bank. I don't know how big of a deal that is. It, it Really, nothing here was 
that Bailey can't do it on her home. Like maybe she gets screwed. She just got beat. She just took a hard right and got knocked out. Well, you know what this is? This is obviously the beginning of the slow burn to Mickey versus Alexa, because this is literally how Bailey versus Sasha started. It was an every woman for herself match. One tried to eliminate the other. So obviously, you know, like three years from now, we'll get to see Alexa Bliss versus Mickey James. It's literally the same story. Yeah, you know, other than that, Alexa goes over, right call. Uh, this was, you know, between up for for the women actually in ring on Raw, a very forgettable evening. Yep. Um, and I felt very much the same way on SmackDown Live. You have uh, Mandy Rose taking on Sonya Deville versus Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch finally gets a win here, but it's really just to get her involved in this Money in the Bank ladder match because you don't trust Rose or Deville. Um, nothing really memorable about that other than Sonya Deville got her own entrance now. Uh, I guess my question to you, you said uh, once upon a time you didn't want any like second chance qualifiers or last chance qualifiers, whatever you want. In doing all these damn triple threat matches, is there anybody on the women's roster who's not already a fucking loser? We still have to fill out half the field here. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I had to pull it up here. I was looking at who is qualified. When you put all these individuals into these matches, you kind of book yourself into a corner because you don't have a lot of, not even just depth in these divisions. You just don't have bodies. Exactly. I mean, look at here next week on SmackDown. They're pulling Lana out of the woodwork. Yeah. She's going to be in a qualifier. Why does, I mean, you, we were talking about No Way Jose, and why does he deserve a qualifying match for Money in the Bank? Well, fucking Lana's got a qualifying match for Money in the Bank. I mean, come the fuck on. You know, let's, let's remember, you know, last year when we had the first ever Women's Money in the Bank, the big joke was... When, a dude won it. Well, no, even no. When it was... You know, the, the, all the women were sitting in the locker room and they were looking to fill out the field. And there was one, you know, one person more than spots. And the joke was, uh, yeah, they're all in lineup, but you're not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was a big joke. So, so now we don't even have the bodies to fill these qualifying matches. So they're rolling Lana out there. Hey, actually, I am kind of rooting for Lana to get this win next week in this match, you know, just so they can play up just some hype here for the possibility of the first ever. Mr. and Mrs. Money in the Bank. I do kind of, I am kind of digging that little little side uh, gimmick they got going on. So really the only other thing to cover here in the Jersey Mike segment is Carmella versus Asuka is happening at Money in the Bank. Um, okay. Since we're, you, want, you want to talk about Since we're asking com- questions here. What was common denominator booking here? What the fuck has Asuka done to earn a title shot? She lost to Charlotte. Uh, and she hasn't had a good month since then. No. That, her last singles match was a loss to Charlotte. Since then, she's been in a tag match with Becky Lynch. They lost that match, too. She couldn't get a title shot. And now, all of a sudden, she's on a losing streak, so she gets a title shot. Well, let me. I'm going to just rewind for this entire segment. This thing really had me peeved. Now, this goes back to what really irks me with WWE, one of the greatest production divisions in the entire world, and they cut so many corners when it comes to their programming. This, this um, celebration should have been an over-the-top production. Really set her up like royalty. You know, they made mention where she, I guess she called Paige and she wanted the, the horse-drawn carriage. They should have brought her in looking like Cinderella. 
We should have had vignettes throughout this show uh, showing her around town being treated like royalty, paparazzi, out shopping at, at the most expensive stores, picking up the most exclusive items, really living it up. Set her apart as a true princess, really put it over the top. Then when you bring her in, have her sitting on a throne in the ring, let her do her little promo where she's getting her heat. And here's a great idea. Instead of just trying to get that hometown pop with Paige coming out, how about you actually send the freaking challenger out there? How about you let Oscar go out there and say, I want the title opportunity. Give it to me here. And then what you do to further business is Paige sets up, I don't know, well, you know how I would have done it. I sent you out when I was driving the other day. I booked six hours uh, or six weeks of uh, SmackDown in my head. I had it set up where you have you get the iconics involved. Then you actually have something that has to earn an opportunity. Then she is granted the championship match at Money to Bank. But here they just cut through any kind of storytelling. They don't put it over the top. There's no reason for us to, to think this is anything of importance because they just it's announced in passing. I mean, this was this was more of a letdown than what we saw at, at NBC Universal up front. So I watched uh, five hours of WWE programming this week. No, I take that back. How long was the celebration? About seven minutes or something like that before Oscar came out. So Oscar didn't come out. Oscar. When Shit. once Paige finally introduced her, she did. Oh, okay. She came out. Did she come out after? I don't even remember that part because I was so turned off by this entire segment. By yeah. Me. Yeah. No, she finally did come out at the end of the segment. Paige introduced her and she ended up coming out. I, I, all right. That, that completely went over my head. I was so turned off by this entire presentation. I didn't watch uh, it. I didn't watch it. I hit the fast forward button until I saw Oscar walking down the ramp. I am not watching these, these multi five to 10 minute Carmella promos. I'm just not going to do it. The girl has changed the channel heat with me. I just, I don't like her. I don't like her. And, and the whole thing is she's miscast. Carmella could have a very, very long career. I mean, good God, Alicia Fox has been in the WWE for a decade, but I don't see Alicia Fox running around with the raw women's championship either. Trying to pretend like she's the freaking champion of the women's division. Carmella is just miscast to me. I cannot buy her as a champion. Can't buy it. So let's uh, let's uh, shift a little bit. Let's talk about the SmackDown men's division a little bit. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura versus AJ Styles for the fourth time in like the last month and a half. Uh, but I thought this was the best match of the series that they have had. Here's the problem. The matches keep getting better. Uh, but they're driving this into the ground. They're overexposing this thing. Um, oh, yeah. For the, life, for the life of me, I don't know why they're giving this away on television here. I don't know why we need this as, as a stipulation match. Uh, two two little notes. I picked up. I made a comment over in the Hami Media Discussion Group at Acer's Live uh, live discussion thread. They, they're putting this, this match over in the hype. And Phillips says, this is a WrestleMania caliber match. So I was like, okay, why did they mention WrestleMania? I mean, why not? Why isn't this a greatest Royal Rumble ever caliber match? Why isn't this a backlash caliber match? Don't make this like it's something that that's grand that we're going to see. It's a special treat for us. We've seen it repeatedly. Uh, to reference the uh, the Wednesday locker room of the Hamid Media Group, 
uh, Strangler, Steve picked up on this. You know how they do the little graphics when the superstars come out? Give us a little highlight, a little bio or whatever. I thought this was fantastic. They actually put over that Styles is not only he beat him at WrestleMania, he beat him at the greatest <laughs> Royal, you know, has survived the greatest Royal Rumble and survived Backlash. So now we know this is the fourth meeting between these two. I mean, what is the what is the big hype about this? But then what blew me away is I see some fans are super excited that they're getting this on SmackDown. Yeah, I don't understand it. A, a complete head scratcher. But I guess. <laughs> I guess maybe to, I don't know, to give them a little bit of credit or a little bit of leeway. You know, I mentioned it when I was driving the other day, I started doing, you know, some be the booker in my head and laying out six weeks of programming. When you're kind of filling in gaps for matches that are must see, it gets kind of difficult because with this brand split, man, there is zero depth. Yep. Yep. There There are, it is hard. You are hard pressed to fill in gaps for weekly programming, especially when you've got a six-week gap between these major events. I think they, they need to bolster these bolster these rosters up a little bit. Uh, so what stipulation would you pick for the match if you were Shinsuke Nakamura? Oh, man, that is a tough one. I was, I, I was actually going to throw it at you, man. Oh, this is a very can, can easy I use, can one I use for my, me. Can I use my card like Ask Me in Two Weeks? <laughs> Oh, you bastard. Um, well, I don't think it's going to beat this one. I, I I think this is an obvious choice. First guy to enter the ring that's Japanese wins. Oh, man. It's... If I'm Shinsuke Nakamura, that's the stipulation. Does he know how to translate that into English, though, so that uh, officials can understand that? You know, I was curious. Does Shinsuke Nakamura understand the word stipulation? It seems like he, you know, there, there are certain words in the English language he doesn't understand. I wonder if stipulation is one of the words that he knows. So let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about Daniel you know, Bryan. Real, real, real <laughs> quick on that. No, how bad was the promo with AJ Styles about what stipulation he would choose? I just, oh, it was... <laughs> God, awful. A pole that's, that's on a pole. All I, that's all I wanted to say. I did, I did enjoy that little shot at Russo. It's a pole on a pole match. thought that was great. Uh, Daniel Bryan. Uh, Daniel Bryan kicks off the show. It's ridiculous how over Daniel Bryan is. I thought that was more like a gay reference since they didn't hit each other in their poles. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Oh, see, I just, I just thought it was Styles taking a shot at Russo, sticking up for his Bullet Club boys. That's what I thought it was. Uh, uh, so let's talk about Daniel Bryan. Bryan comes out, kicks off the show. It, it, it's absurd. The, the response that Daniel Bryan is getting. Um, and, and he comes out and he cuts a mission statement promo. When's the last time you heard a mission statement promo from a baby face, have him come flat out and say, I'm coming for the WWE championship. This is the promo that we have been begging Bobby Lashley to cut for weeks. Just tell us why you're here. I thought this was a great promo until Big Cass came out. Well, we've got a, you talk about a 180 within about a 24-hour period. Monday Night Raw opens up with your supposed biggest baby <laughs> to deafening booze. Yeah, what, uh, what a dichotomy, go, huh? Then you go here to Tuesday night with your actual biggest baby face, and it is overwhelming the amount of support and admiration. Just 
showered upon Dan. I mean, it was one of those things you see it every week, but this week it was actually, it was kind of cool. And you could tell he was, he was living it, man. He, he was soaking it in. Yeah. And, and, and he paid lip service to it too, which got an even bigger pop. It's ridiculous. And then, and then we have the, uh, the five, nine buck 90 something little underdog delivering the promo that we've been wanting from our six, five, two seventy five. simply put one of the baddest ass dudes on the planet promo. And then enter big Cass. And then not only then what we get is what we want from people like Bobby Lashley from, from anyone, some fire Daniel Bryan whoops his ass. Yeah. Just straight up whips the dude's ass. And it was like, hey, big cast, this is what you get when you go against Vince McMahon's orders. That's kind of what I took from this whole thing. Daniel Bryan just whips this dude's ass, like to the point where I, I almost started questioning for Daniel Bryan, is this smart? Like, I, I, I understand showing some fire. I understand getting, you know, one up on big cast. But at a certain point, Daniel Bryan just plain got mean about this. When he started, you know, hitting the the drop kick to the surgically repaired knee, and then he's throwing in the heel hook, and it's like, this is what heel Daniel Bryan, or I'm sorry, heel Bryan Danielson would have done 15 years ago in Ring of Honor. Well, I think what really sent it over the top, just not so much the initial attack, you know, because, you know, Cass is there to cause some damage. You know, he said, hey, everywhere you go, I'm going to jump you, man. And you kind of, you know, there's a seven footer like that. You got to know, I got to strike first, man. I'll give him, I'll give him a little bit of leeway for that first attack. But But then when he exits exits the ring and then comes out and starts working it on the outside, then you enter a whole new just realm of just like, Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very interesting. I like snapped. I like snapping Daniel Bryan, you know, I I kind of like you, you were talking about Cass's promo. From, out of the gate, he had me for a for a moment. I kind of like the big guy excuse for why he got his butt kicked. Oh, I, I, oh, I very I much enjoyed that. So, so I could get up. But then when he started getting into more of the humorous side, where he's you know he's he's hiring and lowering his voice and he's doing the little comical gestures, uh, completely off the tracks at that point. Yeah, exactly. And and you were exactly right. This is what we want out of Bobby Lashley. I want enough of this shit. I'm just going to kick your ass. That's what I want out of Bobby Lashley, but I'm getting it out of Daniel Bryan, which for some reason coming out of Bryan just feels a little off. Is there kind of on the other side of the coin here? Is there anything right now? Is cast done? <sighs> I don't know, man. I, I, I don't necessarily want to say that Cass is done. But I feel like his ceiling is lowering quickly. Well, you can hit your head pretty quick on that ceiling when you're seven foot. You know, going back to the conversation we had at Backlash, I was I was shocked that Daniel Bryan took that clean win there. And you know, a lot of people you kind of you kind of argued the point. Well, he did get some heat back, you know, by the attack afterwards. To me, they needed to do much more to get that heat back because. You cannot erase the fact that he tapped out his first match back. Yeah. Your big badass tapped out. I don't care if you do the beatdown after the match, you tapped out. Yeah, now, but it works for went, me. It works for me with the explanation that Cass gave 
at the beginning of his promo where he's like, you know what? This win or loss doesn't freaking matter. I'm smart enough. I'm going to tap out before you screw up my knee again. And then while you're celebrating, I'm going to whip your ass. That still comes off as someone saying it's almost like an out, you know, like, bam, I got to come up with something. Oh, it's totally an out. I just got, I got bitched out, man. It's totally an out. But I'm going to put this more on creative. If you really wanted to get that heat back on him, he should have been out there last week costing Daniel Bryan that match with Rusev. Yep. Not, not just that Bryan was so hurt from the attack on Sunday. Cash should have actually came out and done something. Kind of like Sami Zayn did to Bobby Lashley this week. There you go. I mean, that adds a little bit of fuel that's going to get, that puts extra heat on Sammy, even after we know how bad this program, where it's looking, it's going with this comedy skit or whatever they're going to, whatever direction they're trying to go with bringing in the family members. And if it gets to the point, if it gets to the point where, if it gets to the point where big Cass has screwed Brian over, like, you know, three times, four times, then I could understand a beating like this. But this just felt almost out of character for Daniel Bryan. Like it was more so Vince being like, Bryan, I want you to go out there and be real stiff with him. That's kind of how it felt. So, so, so now let's, let's uh, get to the big joke here. We have the New Day taking on the bar. And uh, the New Day go over here. And now we have to figure out exactly which member of the New Day is going to qualify for money in the bank. Now, my question to you is, do we really want Paige booking a triple threat with Xavier Woods? Oh, I see where you're going. I see where I saw your thunder there before. Uh, I, I don't know. I, do you think the New Day, are there being, they're, they're, they're such a tight unit, wouldn't they just be able to decide this on their own? Is, is the bond that strong that they're going to be able to handle this, or is this going to cause a little uh, deception between uh, them? I, I, I feel like this absolutely starts the dissension amongst the New Day. Um, I, I think this has to be a triple threat match between the three of them. And whichever one wins, that's the one that goes on to Money in the Bank. Uh, Jagger, you're giving them too much credit. Yeah, you you actually think that they think that the most exciting way to get people involved here is to actually do this uh, in the ring in a, in a wrestling match. You know damn well this is going to end up being a pancake eating contest. Oh, motherfucker, you're right. Uh, t- to see who goes to, onto Money in the Bank, we are going to get some kind of just god-awful comedy skit. I have a feeling when we see this thing on Tuesday, we're going to be wanting to go back on Monday and relive the Sami Zayn thing. Uh, the question is, which one is going to be worse here? Now, of course, it has uh, become public knowledge. Both Xavier Woods and Big E are on the record as saying that they want to do whatever they possibly can to help Kofi Kingston become WWE champion at some point in his career because they feel like Kofi deserves that honor, which we talk all the time about how, you know, the WWE is always looking for that African-American champion I could see Kofi Kingston being slid into that role as like a transitional champion just to say, hey, we did it with Kofi, remember? Um, I'm just really hoping that we actually get something storyline-wise here. When did uh, 
When did Jamaica become part of Africa? Um, probably about the same time Boston became part of Jamaica. There we go. <laughs> uh, you know how this is going to, it's like I said, this is going to be them kind of bickering in the back. Say, no, you go, you go, no, you go. And we're going to end up with pancake eating contest. Uh, this is probably going to be, now that this popped in my mind, I might not even watch next week. This is going to be the worst thing ever. You know what really was the highlight of this segment? And probably one of the highlights all the SmackDown itself was actually Miz on commentary. Yeah, absolutely. Miz did more to further business on commentary during this one match than the entire commentary team, and I'm including the Raw commentary team, did in five hours. Uh, he put over he put over all the talent in the ring. He put over the match itself. He put over money in the bank. He put over how hard is it going to be to make this decision for New Day if, you know, he was saying during the match, if they get this to that point, which now they are, he was selling this entire thing all while Graves and Saxton are still doing a little bickering grab dick game with each other. That's what I took away from this thing. You know, I actually saw Tom Phillips. Somebody had tweeted at him that they liked um, how unemotional he was. And he was like, great. That's exactly what I'm going for. I'm not supposed to have any emotion. I'm here to tell you the story. And it's like, Tom Phillips, you are such a fucking idiot. Go back and listen to any good commentator over the course of the last, I don't know, history of wrestling. Emotion is what makes it. By God, he's broken in half. God is my witness. Come on, Tom Phillips, get your shit together. Uh, let's talk about, uh, well, we kind of talked about Cass versus Joe, money in the bank. Um, I, I, I feel like it's pretty obvious here that Samoa Joe is going to tap big Cass out with or without involvement from Daniel Bryan. Samoa Joe is my pick to win money in the bank. Well, I've got to say, you know, it, maybe this helps make a little sense out of the Daniel Bryan situation. I don't think you see Bryan get involved as we didn't see Cass get involved when Bryan lost, but Cass still took credit for causing the damage that resulted in the oh, loss. So you you're kind of flipping the script here. There you go. Now that we, we kind of see this play out, still very, you know, out of Daniel's character. But I guess now that we can see their reasoning behind this, Brian doesn't have to get involved. Cass is going to be limping around all week on that bad knee. He just and came you're up in that there with a Samoan submission machine. And Joe is going to target it immediately. Yep. Yep. Number one, you're going to see how smart Samoa Joe is. Number two, you're going to see how terrible Big Cass is selling is. Uh, is Joe your pick to win Money in the Bank? Is there anybody else in the field right now that you feel strongly about? I mean, you got Strowman, Balor, Rude. I, I, I mean, I could see and I could find entertainment and value in The Miz. I don't think he, he is not my number one option. I'm with you at Samoa Joe. You, you give the ultimate hunter a reason to really target the top prey. I, I am with the uh, Wednesday locker room team. The Wednesday locker room said, you know, Samoa Joe doesn't necessarily need a reason to stalk AJ Styles. Well, yeah, I, I agree with that, but it'd be a whole lot cooler if he did. Um, I, I do like the idea of Miz winning money in the bank and cashing in on Daniel Bryan, but I feel like in order to do that match, Shinsuke Nakamura has to beat AJ Styles, which I don't want to have happen. Um, and then you would have to have Daniel Bryan 
take the championship from Shinsuke Nakamura. And, and in doing that, I feel like you're kind of playing hot potato with the WWE championship. Yeah, to me, I know there's that big program with Miz and Brian. I just really wouldn't be disappointed if we end up with Brian versus AJ at SummerSlam and then Brian goes over and Joe cashes in on him. I just want to hear Samoa Joe cut promos about how it does not matter who is holding the WWE championship. I am guaranteed my WWE championship because when I cash in, you bet your ass I'm going to collect. You know what I kind of what I'd really kind of like to see from Joe too, as he's holding the case uh, to really send some fear towards the champion and the entire SmackDown, the entire SmackDown roster. Just you know, after a random match, let's say that uh, I, I'm looking here, Xavier Woods beats Ty Dillinger. Ty, Ty Dillinger. Woods goes over after the match. Joe comes out and just beats him up and pins him. <laughs> just, just like as a message like i could do this anytime i want to anyone uh and eventually i'm going to do it to the champ i like the idea of no matter who the champion is at the end of the night when jojo announces and your winner the wwe champion and samoa joe's music hits every time that would be great See, and joe just walks up and holds up that case because he knows he is the uncrowned wwe champion and I think we, with there, we get a completely different vibe with Joe with that case than we would. And I know Miz would be entertaining with it, but we've seen it. And I, I, you talk about someone that doesn't really need it. Miz does not need that right now. No. And I think that would kind of, I think that would handcuff his character more, you know, have to rely on, okay, I've got this anytime I want playing off that case. You need to kind of just, you know, just let the Miz fly. Yep, completely agreed. Uh, let's talk briefly about CN because all he had was a squash match on this show. Um, are you all right with CN being introduced with a squash match, or were you kind of hoping that he would do something of a little bit more important? I was hoping for a little more of an impactful debut. I'm not. I'm not down on what we saw. I thought he was very crisp in his match. He dominated. I, I like the the post match interview or the you know the promo that Vega cut. It sent a message to who they were. I was more disappointed in the build to his debut. I would have loved to have seen some really cool vignettes, really introduced us to the character with, with her narrating, letting her tell the story of, of her man, her client, where they've come from and what really is going to happen. I I really hope that they get involved with something sooner than later instead of going through a couple weeks because it looks like they might not have anything for him at Money in the Bank. Man, I would have loved to have seen him get inserted into this match and make, you know, really jump into the deep end of the pool. Completely agreed. I was hoping that he would either be in a Money in the Bank qualifying match or that he would be taking out Jeff Hardy, either in Jeff's entrance to the ring or post match, and make a statement that he was coming for the U.S. championship immediately. Uh, the only other thing in the um, SmackDown men's division to talk about was uh, Rusev and the Rusev promo, but we already touched on that inside of the Jersey Mike segment because really the only thing coming out of that was evidently Lana is part of the act now. Like Lana and Aiden English have magically buried the hatchet and she's not out to eliminate Aiden English anymore. I almost expect Aiden English to come out with Lana next week. I am hoping that they do. I would say that I don't think we should forget anything. If there's any tension between those two, you know, Lana is a very, very conniving individual. 
She could be playing English, waiting for her opportunity to once again gain control and kind of run the show for Rusev, or you know at least be that that go to person for him. Oh, I got I, it. I, I kind of want I kind of want these three to kind of stay together. I think there could be a good fun dynamic here uh, with what we got going on. I'll Aiden let you know, what, do you, what do you got? Aiden English comes out with Mana next week. Peyton Royce tries to get involved in the match. Aiden English goes to stop Peyton Royce. The entire thing backfires. Billy Kay wins the match. And Lana blames Aiden English for costing her her chance at Money in the Bank. Well, and, I th- and I think well, that would probably begin uh, kind of a snowball effect where every time Rusev isn't going over, Lana finds a way to point the finger at English. Or, you know, maybe... Maybe even in some Rusev matches, he takes some losses. It's actually Lana's fault, but she's able to manipulate the situation where it seems like it's English's fault. Yep. Where she's controlling the whole thing. Speaking of that match, if they actually come out and try to put on a serious professional wrestling match, <laughs> you know, not like a comic, not like a comic. You know, a lot of people say the worst match ever. Well, you can say that, you know, like when there's a kid in the match or uh, if they got some kind of crazy gimmick going on. If these two try to come out and they actually put something together, this could be the worst professional wrestling match ever. This might ever. be it. This might be the one. This might be the one. Uh, let's uh, let's shift but over man, to. Does uh, she look good in a Rusev Day shirt? Yeah, she yes yeah, she does. Uh, let let let's shift over to the uh, hashtag Give Tag Teams a Chance part of the uh, show. Uh, Rick, I, I I I almost didn't even put this on the run because I think it was a farce. It was uh, a complete bullshit. Uh, bogus ending. I hated the finish to this match. The B team goes over the fashion police on Monday night. Raw, you put Tyler breeze on Monday night raw and he doesn't win the match. This is just, I'm beside myself. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for the B team. I hate that fucking name. Uh, this is going to get over just like the Rusev day thing did. The best team went over here. Oh my! When I God. saw this, when I saw this in the preview, I called you up immediately. Our boys were going to war, man, and I knew I mean, it was not going to end well for me. I just knew it. I need an extended hey, program here, though. Dude, I I think these guys, if they're if they're going to continue this route with the B team, where where you got more of this comical thing going on, then all I'm all for it. Keep these guys together. I think you know where you know where this would really be gold. These guys are going to be highly entertaining. This is where they're going to get themselves over is on the live event circuit. You know what I kind of want to have happen on this? I go ahead, run with it for as long as you want. And then eventually I kind of want Dango and Tyler to turn heel and like just completely obliterate these guys and get serious. Instead of like, let the B team take over as the comedy figures of Monday night raw. I I feel like Tyler and Dango have earned some kind of a serious push at this point and see if it works or if it doesn't work. Well, here's, I mean, here's my question though. You know, that's, that's the great thing about creative. You know, they throw something at you and they, they say, make this work or go with a direction, but what your concern be, are they too far gone at this point? It depends on the heel turn. I even see even if they would go heel, 
I think in WWE's mind, they're probably going to stick with the comedy route and make them go like turn into dirty cops. See, that's what I'm saying. That's that's not what I want to see. I want to see them come you out and be a, a serious. I want to see Johnny Curtis and Tyler Breeze. We're not the fashion police. We have some new name. We have new music. We have new gear. And no, fuck this. Like, like I want to turn them into what the revival should have been coming up out of NXT. Have them come up and be like, you know what? We're a hell of a lot better than this. And we're sick of playing this comedy crap. Well, Jargo, I was just going to say your argument, your scenario, we could almost lay this out for over half the division. Yeah. And and that's the sad part. That's the sad part. Uh, Then you have Wyatt and Hardy versus the revival. I mean, you talk about how the mighty have fallen. Holy cow. The revival a couple of years ago, match of the year. And now they just cannot get any kind of traction on the main roster. Well, I was when you said how the mighty have fallen. I almost I thought you were going to talk about Wyatt and Hardy. Yeah, you know that's they they really have no long term goal or maybe or commitment behind the gimmick. Uh, let's slap the titles on it. Let's just roll it out there every week. Hope it gets over. Hope people are just settle will just settle with it. Uh, this entire freaking division. I mean, they're just running in quicksand. There's nothing going on here. There, this is a two-team division on Raw, and that other team right now is the show. They take on uh, Braun and Finn Balor on this show, uh, and the important thing here was, yes, we can completely buy the show as a legit tag team. The other thing we can buy is we need to get Drew McIntyre away from Dolph Ziggler because Vince McMahon, you have finally found someone who can go one-on-one with Braun Strowman in a ring. Drew McIntyre versus Braun Strowman. I want that match. I need that match. Braun desperately needs that match. I will give him a little credit here. I did like the teases. They really didn't give us it, it straight up. They yep. didn't give it away. It was a nice tease inside the match. Uh, going into the match... Uh, I was a little upset or, I guess, bothered by, we just got this thing in passing. Why Why isn't this a big announced matchup? You've got Braun and Balor, you know, two of your top babies. People love these guys. You know, they're taking on two of the hottest up-and-coming heels right now. Uh, I mean, not like they're new faces, but together they are a new hot act. I mean, why wasn't this plastered everywhere? You know what you I know, kind of want? I kind of want this to be a regular thing. I kind of want Finn Balor and Braun Strowman to be regular friends and team on a regular basis, even though they're both single stars. Just have them be cool with each other and have Braun Strowman toughen up Finn Balor a little bit. Because when, when Braun Strowman picked up Finn Balor and just threw him across the ring on top of whichever opponent it was, and Finn looked up at Braun Strowman and Braun says, get up, you're fine. I fucking popped like crazy. That was fantastic. Yeah, I could get behind that there where they kind of got like this loose. They got like this loose little alliance with one another. Yeah. But they're both still single stars, but you know, when, when the going gets tough and you need a tag team partner, I got your back. I, I guess I could get behind that there. I thought it was kind of funny though, is you had uh Braun and Balor. They're waiting in the ring and Braun's doing his bounce. And you can see how much give is in the ring, and it's just tossing Balor up in the air. And even he kind of he gives him a look like, whoa, settle down there, big boy. <laughs> you know, that, 
You're fine. Get up. Oh my god, that was tremendous. Uh, what, what if in what if in the Money in the Bank match they do that throw spot and Braun throws Balor so high he grabs the case? <laughs> maybe maybe you could uh, you could do the spot like you know when Bad Luck Fale used to to pick up Finn Balor on his shoulders and walk him to the ring over in New Japan. Maybe that's how Finn ends up grabbing the case. He's like standing on Braun's shoulders and just reaches up and grabs the case. Quick. Well, hey, there, there we go. Good, good opportunity for a plug. We can throw it in there. You know, our we're from the Hameen Media Group, our brothers from the Conspiracy Horseman, Big Sal. They used to carry uh, some of the FBI members. Uh, who's the little guy there? Little Guido. Little Guido. Hit him out on his shoulders. And so yep. there we go. We, we could have that going on there with those two. I guess the other big story coming out of this match, which you probably had to be a little happy about because you hate it so much is that the greatest uh, Royal Rumble ever trophy was destroyed. <laughs> I, I hope there's not any heat on Drew for that. I'm really hoping that Drew doesn't get any heat for that, because that's the kind of stupid bullshit that people get buried for. Goddamn, pal, bust his ass back down to NXT right now. <laughs> Speaking of bust back down to NXT, did you see the revivals getting sent back down to NXT? Going down uh, and yeah. working a house show loop down there. They are not going on uh, out of uh, an overseas tour, right? Yeah. They're going to be going and working some NXT. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it would be interesting to see the reception they get there and, and what role they play. Yeah, if they just come in as the top guys. Like, even though that they've been made out to be a complete joke on Monday Night Raw, if they come back like they were in NXT, wearing their top guys jackets and everything. Yeah, top guys can't win a match on Raw. You uh, know what? I'd, I'd really love to see them come back in that role. Where they think they're like the badasses, but but have them like go out and interrupt the champs, and then undisputed era is like, did we just see you guys getting beat every week, you know? And now you think you can come back, you know? So it's changed down here. You think it's tough up there? It's changed down here. Oh my gosh, I got I got to put over those poolside picks from the undisputed era with them using their championship belts as their team. Oh my god, that was so freaking hilarious. Uh, Rick, where is the authors of pain? What are we doing with the authors of pain? They are they are getting geared up for their new alliance with Roman Reigns because apparently apparently the agenda now is they want everyone to hate the AOP. That's really the only thing that makes any sense to me though. Like why would you call them up, put them on TV, they do a couple of squash matches against jobbers, they ditch Paul Ellering and then poof, they're gone. Like what, what the hell happened? Is Vince legitimately just trying to get them off TV? So people forget about them. So when they come out with Roman, people are like, Oh shit. And and, you know, that's really the only news we've even heard about them, you know, since their disappearance is now the only thing that makes sense that, you know, nothing confirmed, but it's being discussed that they would form uh, a new stable or faction with Roman with Roman Reigns. Can you imagine Roman Reigns is a mouthpiece? What a terrible idea. You're going to give the authors of pain Roman Reigns as their mouthpiece. Here's, here's what I really don't get about this, though. You know, you put these three together. There has to be a mastermind puppeteer, right? Well, I mean, who who takes them apart? I mean, who is the who's the one that rises up? I mean... From the narrative, you know, from a KFAB point, you're putting together three of the baddest asses in your entire company here. Braun Strowman, Bobby Lashley, and Finn Balor. 
And yes, it sounds completely ridiculous to say Finn Balor when you're saying Braun Strowman, Bobby Lashley, Roman Reigns, and the authors of pain, but they have established the narrative that for one reason or another, Finn Balor has Roman Reigns' number. They have established that narrative. Finn's beat him twice. I'm trying to think of a, in a of a world where somehow they bring this group together, Roman Reigns and the AOP, and somewhere around late August, you know, maybe this happens at SummerSlam, where you have those WWE guys just smash Bullet Club members. Oh shit! End up with just destroying. So it'd, it'd be like Anderson, Gallows, and Styles versus Roman and, and be, AOP. And then maybe you throw Finn in there or something, and you leave one of the guys odd man out. Or, you know, just all, anyone that had anything to do with Bullet Club just gets destroyed. <laughs> Adam Cole's like, hey, I was already murdered. I already got thrown out of the Bullet Club by being brutally murdered. I don't need this shit twice. Uh, speaking of brutally murdered, that's a hell of a segue right there. Rick, what the fuck are the Bludgeon Brothers? Like they, these guys won the tag titles at WrestleMania. I'm not sure that they've had another match since then, have they? I don't even know if tag team wrestling is on the radar right now, especially so much, on SmackDown. Uh, almost anywhere, man. This is just so bad. You know, at least on Raw, at least they're rolling the champs out. At least they're, you know, they're getting teams out. You know, minus the AOP. At least that. At least they're visual. They're present. They're there. SmackDown, it's we got one little program going on. We got these terrible vignettes that we don't have any indication of anything for sanity right now. It's it's kind of hard to make sense of where they even fit into this dynamic. I can't this believe I'm brother- going to say this, but I actually have to put over Jersey Mike here because last night Jersey Mike actually hit me up and he's like, "What is with tag team wrestling in the WWE? New Japan has good tag team wrestling." Ring of Honor has good tag team wrestling. NXT has good tag team wrestling. What's the deal with WWE? And the simple answer is Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn hate tag team wrestling. And I, it, they love the idea of tag team wrestling. They love taking Finn Balor and Braun Strowman and putting them against Kevin Owens and Drew McIntyre. And just like taking single stars and pairing them off. They love doing that. But when it comes to legit tag teams, they don't like tag team wrestling. Well, I think it goes back to they is it more, it's more of like a TV production viewpoint from them. They just don't yep. see it that there's star power in marketing duos as there is in just singling out, you know, one specific face. And but Kevin Dunn doesn't like it from a TV perspective because you can't follow the camera on the action going on in the ring. You have to have a wide shot so you can see all four guys at the same time. It's a pain in his ass. He doesn't like it. So they don't push tag teams. Which is a lot of the reason you that the, the managers went to the wayside. Yep. Because you had to go, okay, you know, you had somebody like, you know, Bobby the Brain Heenan or a Slicker or Jimmy Hart. They were very they were vital roles in what was going on that match. Just their little just their small mannerisms, their subtle movements, how they handled themselves, that you know, that gave credibility to whoever they were representing inside the ring. Now you do have that with Heyman, but he positions himself. You know, it, it, there is a there's a preciseness, there's direction with how he positions himself, 
And he's not like those traditional managers where he helps those clients go actually get over. He doesn't get involved. It's just when you do get the glimpse of him, uh, you know, how he emotes himself and then his verbal contributions are what makes him work. You couldn't do that across the board. He is a very unique case. The other thing that Paul does is Paul is also a TV person. So he understands the Kevin Dunn logic. So when Paul is important to the match and you need to see Paul emote, or you need to see Paul celebrate, or you need to see Paul count the number of suplexes that Brock Lesnar has given to Roman Reigns. He stands right in the middle of the ring. He doesn't stand in a corner. He stands right in the middle, directly opposite the hard cam. So you don't have to move the shot. And you can actually tell with Paul too, when he's not really that important, you will see him kind of fading off and hiding behind a post. Yep. And then he knows exactly when he needs to kind of drift back out into position, gets his contribution in, and then he's back out of sight. Yep. That's the reason that you've seen where we used to, we're so used to every, you know, every heel had that manager to help them along there. Yep. That's why that went away. That's the same thing with tag team wrestling. It's about how they shoot the thing. But, you know, there are ways, but, it, you know, it does work in NXT. Yeah. All they have to do is kind of change those angles. It's the problem is that the, your head producer is stuck in such a certain way. He refuses to change the angles and how they are positioning and promoting and showing their own product. And he has enough pull with Vince McMahon that Vince now doesn't like tag team wrestling because of everything that Kevin Dunn has told him. And nobody can give him a good reason to push towards tag team wrestling. Well, you know, I guess the reason I, that everyone's out there joking about, I mean, this could be your next women's evolution. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, we got, uh, they love buzzwords. I know they, they, people have been floating out the hashtag there. Give tag teams a chance. I mean, they love the buzzwords. So why don't we just go with hashtag team together? Everyone achieves more. Oh, That's something God that WWE, sake. they would have that plastered everywhere, brother. Oh yeah. Hashtag team t-shirts, new marketing tools, new agendas, new PR Get Stephanie McMahon on this thing. This is their next big movement. Wow. Damn. We're going to make history. The first ever tag team money in the bank. Oh my God. Please don't let that happen. Coming this January, the first ever tag team Royal Rumble. Oh my God. That would be freaking train wreck. Better wrap this thing up before Rick comes up with some more terrible ideas that the freaking stooges steal from us. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. But fear not, as you'll be able to find Huckleberry and I back in the locker room studios this Monday over at hackerhameen.podbean.com as we break down all the news from over the weekend and look forward to next week's shows. By the way, best of the super juniors, it's coming. Until then, be on the lookout for myself and Huckleberry's two and three, eight track Brown, Billy Ray Valentine. We're going to be coming out with our New Japan Pro Wrestling Best of the Super Juniors preview. Uh, I keep saying that'll be coming your way sometime soon. Well, you know, best of the super juniors starts Friday, so it'll be coming soon. Uh, if you can't fill your pro wrestling needs until then, Visit our support system over at thegorillaposition.com as they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, how do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you? I have nothing to say. I'm done. So, so that I guess that's season two, episode 20, in the can. We'll talk to you Monday at the locker room. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! <laughs> me.
Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast fans, you didn't think you were going to get off that easy, did you? It's me, it's me, it's that R to the B to the V. Rick Vicker here, and I would like to invite everyone to check out my personally owned and operated consulting firm, Herd Marketing. In today's business landscape, it's not just about being present. It's about being effective and efficient. Marketing management takes effort and know-how. Put yourself in a position to succeed and contact Herd Marketing today. Find us on Facebook or give us a call at 513-227-6504. Oh yeah, how could I forget? We are currently running a special promo for the Hitting the Marks listeners. When new clients use the promo code HTMADS, that is H-T-M-A-D-S, Herd Marketing is going to go ahead and donate $100 to this awesome podcast. Be present, be effective, be efficient, be heard. Find us on Facebook or call 513-227-6504.